Hello and welcome back to Green About Media. I'm your host, Phil McDowell, and this is the podcast where we investigate the impact that digital media and marketing has on the environment. Now, it's been a little while since you've heard from us, but rest assured, we're hard at work putting together the last bits and pieces needed to officially launch Season 2 of the show. But in the meantime, we were lucky enough to be involved in a webinar that show heroes and carbon intelligence company Sadara, who you remember from last season, put on to spread awareness about the environmental issues and opportunities of marketing in a digital environment. And we thought it would make for both a good refresher to all the information that we discussed last season, but also serve as an update to the state of the industry as it is now. It is a rapidly changing field after all. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to bring you this webinar on decarbonising digital media in two parts, with a little extra research and input from me. As we look at everything from carbon measurement, scope 3 publisher emissions, supply chain transparency laws, as well as the role of advertisers, standardisation, and five practical steps towards net zero. So without further ado, allow me to present, not for the first time on this show, carbon measurement expert and Sadara Chief Operating Officer, Eric Shee. Thank you, Marco. And thank you, everyone uh, who's joined uh, the session today. I guess it's good evening or good morning, depending on what time zone you're in. Um, as a way of introduction, I am Eric Shee. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Sidara. We are a carbon intelligence platform, which I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a second. Uh, but the topic today, of course, is uh, decarbonizing digital media. And as, as many of you might be aware, sustainability is becoming a very big topic uh, in the media industry and advertising uh, in general. Um, and we believe that uh, publishers in particular, uh, like yourselves, if you're, if you're listening in today, is have a major role to play, right, in, in helping the industry uh, decarbonize or become more sustainable. Uh, but before we can jump into the presentation, I think it's an, important to set some context. And, you know, why is sustainability such a big issue? So I'm going to launch a quick poll for everyone that, that's tuned in. Um, i really like to get your opinions first on um, what do you think are the 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 carbon emissions from digital media, what does that represent globally if you think about the entire world's carbon emissions? So we covered this last season of the show, and it was actually this fact that initially inspired me to make Green About Media in the first place. The fact that until recently, there just didn't seem to be that much awareness in the general public, and myself included, about just how much of a negative impact the internet actually has on our environment. During my initial research for the show, it became apparent that most people didn't really associate the internet and digital activity as a substantial contributor to carbon emissions. They tended to think of energy production, deforestation, or the transport industry, for example, as the main culprits, and specifically air travel as a particularly pertinent driver of said negative impact. However, the aviation industry is now in fact slowly decreasing its CO2 emissions, and by many measurements, it actually now sits lower down the list than, guess what, the internet. So tell me, as Eric asked, if you were to think about all of the global emissions produced by everything that we do, from power plants to aeroplanes, mining to methane, what total percentage of global emissions would you think the internet actually contributes? I'll give you a sec. 
The correct answer is three to four percent. So uh, the digital media industry, according to AdNet Zero and, and a number of sources, represents about three to four percent of total carbon emissions um, uh, globally. Right. So if you think about uh, advertising, obviously a big driver of that is part of digital media, including all the content, the internet, using all data centers and electricity to power a lot of the content that, and ads you're, you're seeing across the web. So just a bit more background before Eric goes into the ins and outs of what they're doing over at Sadara. As we know from last season, the first step in making meaningful emissions reductions in the digital space, or any industry for that matter, is to first find out what your benchmark is. To measure how much CO2e emissions your company and or activities are currently producing. This of course allows you to design and implement strategies and goals that you can then measure against your future emissions in order to assess their effectiveness. It seems simple, but of course it never is. One challenge you face is standardization. How those emissions are calculated and compared to other bodies trying to do the same thing. Something Eric will get into in part two of the webinar. Another and arguably more complex challenge is when you realise that in this industry, you're dealing predominantly with Scope 3 emissions, the nature of which means they don't come from you directly and therefore are much more difficult to measure and control. A feat that requires commitment and transparency from everyone involved in your supply chain. I think the, the number one question is, well, who's Sidara and why, do, why are we experts in this topic? Well, Sidara, as I mentioned, is the carbon intelligence platform. We're, we're a sustainability partner for Show Heroes obviously hosting this webinar today. Um, we are a software platform that's been built to map the carbon emissions across the media industry. Uh, so that's everyone from advertisers down to agencies, down to platforms and publishers, anyone that we that is part of what we call the media supply chain. Now, before we talk about what steps are needed to help decarbonize the industry, I think it's a good idea to step back and talk about what carbon emissions measurement actually is and what's involved to do it accurately. So when you think about carbon emissions, there's actually a broader category of emissions called greenhouse gas emissions, right? Carbon dioxide is just one of many different greenhouse gases. So typically, you'll see other types of uh, emissions like nitrous oxide or methane uh, or fluoridated gases. But all of them sort of get captured in one bucket, uh, which is described as CO2e or the or carbon dioxide equivalent is what you'll probably see most often in reporting. Um, so how does this all get measured from a corporate perspective? Well, there's actually a framework of measurement called the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, which was uh, released in 1998. So it has been around for a few decades now, which many companies are using. I'd say over 90% of companies are using the greenhouse gas protocol today, that framework, to measure their corporate emissions. Uh, now, this framework has developed a number of categories uh, or identified where you know you should be measuring. Right? Um, is it um, and, and is it categorized by your the activities you're doing as a company? Uh, but it also breaks down it, the emissions into very large uh, categories known as scopes. So if you've seen the terminology, a scope one, two, or three, uh, you can see what this means in this, this diagram, right? So just as- Okay, so quick refresher on the scopes. Scope one refers to the direct emissions from sources that are owned or controlled by an organization. Scope one emissions are typically uh, a fuel you're using as a company, uh, in your company facilities or that you own or company vehicles. 
Think about like gas for a fleet of vehicles you might have. Uh, or if you own a factory, like a coal power factory, obviously not as relevant for the media industry as, as many companies don't have these things. Scope two, these are indirect emissions associated with the production of the electricity, heat or steam that an organization purchases and consumes. Uh, so think about the electricity you buy for your offices. Uh, that would fall into a scope two uh, emission. And finally, the last category, probably the most important uh, for our companies in our industry would be known as scope three emissions. Now, uh, these are emissions that come from your value chain. Uh, so, or, or the easier way to think about it is uh, the emissions that are, might arise from companies you're working with in your supply chain, right? Uh, both uh, downstream and upstream. Uh, so you could see some of the examples of these types of categories on, on this chart. So this is the big one, making up to as much as 98% of most digital companies' CO2e emissions. And unfortunately, it's also the most difficult to measure and control. Consider this simplified but relatively realistic representation of a digital company's supply chain and the associated emissions. You are a medium-sized company selling advertising space and creating ads dealing with both the supply and the demand side. You have a lot of data. There's archives of all your video footage and completed ads, usually duplicated in one or two different places. Your whole company are working remotely and as such all have been issued a phone, computer and or laptop. You're dealing with programmatic advertising and you make a point of sending your employees to important industry events. The first link in your chain are the devices that your employees, as well as your clients, partners and users operate. The production of those devices require the mining of all sorts of different materials from all sorts of different places all around the world, which are then transported to a factory run on fossil fuels to be manufactured. They are then of course shipped out to a warehouse somewhere, stored, and then shipped out to individual users. Then there's your data. This is stored with data centers and cloud service providers which, at scale, draw on massive amounts of currently mostly fossil fuel produced energy. And with the quality and therefore size of video data in particular, crossed with the constant downloading, uploading, rearranging and storing of this data, that power consumption is steadily growing. Then you have your content delivery network providers, which are used to distribute your content and ads efficiently, incurring more emissions from data transfer, infrastructure maintenance, and the energy required to enable the bidding on those ad spaces programmatically. You have your internet service providers and their associated infrastructure and energy consumption, third-party data providers and their data collection and processing. And you can see how this list gets very long and scary very quickly. Software technology providers, office operations, transport and shipping of marketing materials, customer and client operations, even trade shows and employee travel to events, and of course, back to where we started, the e-waste coming from the all-too-frequent device disposal and repurchasing due to the need for higher performance, which is set by the increasing quality and size of advertising content, which in turn requires more energy for storage. A big feedback loop. Ultimately, this type of measurement is... So our first step requirement to any company that wants to take the path to getting to net zero, which is essentially uh, a target where you want to reduce your emissions by uh, at least 90% or close to zero, right? Um, by a certain year, right? That, that's what being net zero means. Um, but when we think about these greenhouse gas uh, categories in the, realm, in the sort of context of a digital media publisher, 
oh, this is the way to think about scope one, two, and three emissions for you as a business. Most of the emissions I referred to in that supply chain example are scope three emissions. And they're significant because they reflect the broader environmental impact of your organization, including emissions associated with the entire life cycle of your products and services and those of your stakeholders. Understanding and addressing scope three emissions is the key part of sustainability and carbon reduction efforts amongst digital companies as they provide a more comprehensive overview of your organization's actual contribution to the digital carbon footprint. There's a lot more, actually, when you start to break it down to the level of your clients' messages contained within their ads, and the list goes on. But that's a level of granularity that we'll look at in more detail in future episodes. So as we said, to even get started on reducing these emissions, you first need to find a way to actually measure them. So it is very important, I would say critical, uh, that all participants in this supply chain, obviously one, find a way to measure their impact, uh, but that data ultimately we needed for companies across the supply chain to reduce their emissions, right? To get to net zero, they will need to measure the impact of all of these parts uh, and then reduce them at the end of the day. Here's Eric on how these measurements actually work. There are actually a very large databases where are called emission factors. Um, and these come from global, uh, from global uh, governments, uh, scientific bodies. Uh, think about the, the EPA in the US, for example, or Bayes in the UK. Uh, there are many large databases or tens of thousands of emission factors, which are essentially uh, values that try to translate a unit of spend or, or a unit of activity um, from a company to uh, an emissions uh, emission of carbon, right, or CO2e. While your electricity bill will typically have the number of kilowatt hours that you use as a company, well, then there's an emission factor, right, that translate, translates one unit of a kilowatt hour into a unit of carbon. Uh, and that is how the calculation is done. From a media perspective, we might look at the total number of impressions you've delivered with a certain company, a DSP. Uh, we could translate that into a unit of carbon. Uh, same with business travel. We could convert miles traveled to, you know, carbon. This is all done obviously through, obviously through different scientific calculations uh, that have been done uh, to, to make these conversions, uh, whether it's at a spend level or an activity level. Basically, activity data quantifies the physical aspects of emissions producing activities, while spend data quantifies the financial aspects. Activity data is used to calculate emissions, while spend data can help assess the financial impact and efficiency of emissions-related activities, making it useful for cost-benefit analysis and financial planning in the context of sustainability and emissions reduction. Now, what are the differences between activity and spend data? Uh, to be clear here, both approaches, whether you use spend or activity data, are accepted approaches for converting your company data that you have into carbon data. Uh, but of course, there are sort of pros and cons for each approach. On, on the activity side, obviously the pros here are that activity is more precise, right? We'll, we'll show you the example on the spend side, why it's more precise. It's also typically more product specific, uh, and you'll have obviously much more control over data. Uh, the cons is it is somewhat more time consuming to, to collect this type of data. Um, it, it does it does have different methodologies uh, uh, that are in place for, for activity data. And you'll see some of the examples of the databases of emission factors uh, underneath. But I would say activity is the preferred way to go, particularly for uh, large contributors of emissions for your business. Uh, it is important to look at activity 
And a great example in digital media, most of your emissions will likely come from uh, your media activity, right? The impressions that you're delivering as a business. So typically you would want to see um, uh, activity data, which is impression data from digital media versus spend. And we'll talk about spend, right? Spend, the challenge of spend, um, well, let me go over the positives of spend first. The, the, the great thing about spend data is it's easy to access. You'll typically have it in invoices or your accounting platforms. Um, there is global coverage for spend. There's already standard methodology in place uh, for spend data. But the, the cons, of course, is that the, the databases of emission factors for spend aren't updated as, as frequently, uh, let's say, as, as activity uh, databases for emission factors. Um, they're not so specific and they're also, they also could be imprecise. So if you think about this travel example, if you spend 500 euros on a flight ticket, well, that ticket could either represent 1000 kilometers or 5,000 kilometers, but it doesn't mean, um, if you spend 500 euros, it's going to have the, the same carbon impact, right? Depending on different flights. So you actually want to know how many kilometers you float uh, to be more precise there. Um, so those are the sort of the, the drawbacks, but again, it's easy to scale with spend activity, spend data, but activity data is obviously much more, um, I would say useful when it comes to the largest con contributions of emissions for your business. So that's a lot to take in, I know, but we're really only just getting started. It's a fascinating and crucial space that the industry is only now beginning to take seriously and work on solutions for. The good news is that compared to Scope 1 heavy industries, this industry is really in a position to potentially make significant change really quite quickly, but it will rely heavily on transparency and cooperation along all links of these interconnected supply chains, and formation and broad adoption of tools and standardization in order to enable this to happen. Last night... Thank you for having me back today in part one of this special Green About Media episode. In part two, we'll once again be joined by Eric as he goes into the role of advertisers in decarbonizing digital advertising, the all-important standardization of carbon measurement, as well as net zero and five steps we need to take in order to get there. This particular episode of Green About Media is doubly special as it's the debut co-production of our colleague and friend Nadia Wolf who, as of the day of this episode's release, has just worked her last day of four years with the company. She will be sorely missed. And although I personally am sad to see her go, as well as apparently everyone else in the company, based on the flooding of inboxes of heartfelt goodbye emails sent over the last week, we all know that she's going to go on and do great things. Nadia, you've been a pleasure to work with, and I'm honoured to have had your help and input on these special episodes. Nadia is heading into full-time freelance work with her new cooperative company, Collective Spark, which is a digital agency specialised in communications and growth consulting. And if you want to find out more about Collective Spark, you can search for them or follow the link in the show notes for this episode. I wish you all the best, Nadia, with your cool new project, and I really look forward to catching up next time I'm in Berlin. This episode of Green About Media was written and engineered by me, Phil McDowell, and co-produced by Nadia Wolfe. A big thank you to Eric Shee from Sadara, executive producer Nadia Koski, and project lead Dennis Kirshner. We'll be back with episode two of this special edition of the podcast in two weeks' time. Until then, have a think about how you can start to reduce your own digital carbon footprint. See you then. All nations were growing, 
All nations stood strong. Smiles of understanding.